You're listening to WNHH 103.5 FM Community Radio. Welcome to The Table Underground. I'm your host, Tegan Engel. Thanksgiving is one of the biggest holidays in America. It's generally celebrated as a time for giving thanks and remembering the story of pilgrims and Native Americans sitting together in a peaceful feast. While this makes for a comforting story, it's not necessarily true. Today we will be hearing from three indigenous people about the true history and foods behind this myth and how it impacts them today. Sherry Pocknett is a chef at the Mashantucket Pequot Museum and Research Center. Sherry is Mashapee Wampanoag and started her first food business at age 13. Later, she owned and operated the Sly Fox's Den Catering Company for 20 years. Sherry's work is deeply rooted in the tradition of her ancestors. Her food and teachings have been featured in numerous national and regional publications. Jay Levy was born in Columbia, South America. He is a descendant of the indigenous people from South and North America. Jay has worked for the Mohegan tribe of Connecticut for the past 18 years. His work entails organizing powwows, revitalizing the Mohegan language, and cultural education. Jay sits on numerous Native American boards and acts as a cultural advisor integrating indigenous ideology, tribal tradition, and cultural protocol into archaeology and land preservation. Rachel Sayet, or Akitusu, she who reads, is a member of the Mohegan Nation. She is a cultural anthropologist and librarian at the Mohegan Tribal Library and an educator. Rachel holds a master's degree in anthropology from Harvard and has written and presented extensively on various topics of Northeast Native American life, including traditions, foodways, and sovereignty. Welcome, Sherry, Rachel, and Jay. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So, Jay, I thought we would start with you, since one of your specialties is history, and I'm wondering if you can give us a little bit of what the true history of Thanksgiving is. Well, thank you for um, inviting us here. And I first, before I um, start off, I'd like to acknowledge where we are. Uh, we're in New London, Connecticut. It, um, not too long ago, it was a Pequot village called Namiog. Um, and the Pequot have a history with the origins of Thanksgiving, so I thought that was appropriate. Um, I also wanted to state that I didn't want to establish a relationship of hate. Rather, I'd rather educate. I want to um, heal and have respect for uh, one another's cultural differences with this conversation. So Thanksgiving um, is not celebrated by Indian people uh, just one time during November, one time a year. It is um, actually a day of mourning, a day of sadness. Um, Thanksgiving, uh, we've always had Thanksgivings. Um, Every day we say thanks. We say thanks to all the many things the Creator has given us, uh, these beautiful uh, creations and gifts. We say thanks, we say tabatni, we say katapatamayamon. Um, we celebrate Thanksgivings throughout the year. Um, every month we have Thanksgivings. We have Thanksgivings uh, in the June, in the month of June when the first strawberries come up. We have Thanksgivings um, for the maple syrup when, they, when the trees are tapped. We have Thanksgivings for uh, the salmon when they return. We have Thanksgivings for the green corn festivals. So we've always had Thanksgivings for hundreds of years, thousands of years, before the official day of Thanksgiving was declared by the colonists. Um, 
we um, think of the day of Thanksgiving uh, in different ways, and I think we'll hit upon that during this discussion. Um, but Europeans declared the first day of Thanksgiving uh, right after the Pequot War, um, the Pequot Massacre in 1637 on May 26th. Um, Governor John Winthrop from Massachusetts actually uh, proclaimed the first official day of Thanksgiving uh, to celebrate the safe return uh, of men from Massachusetts who went to Connecticut to participate in the murder of the 800 Pequot men, women, and children. So Thanksgivings were celebrated for uh, victories um, rather than friendships. And they would go to into the churches and they would thank their almighty God and thank um, allow, for allowing them to, to participate and kill and murder Indian people. And then they would have these, these feasts after the church in, in the backyard and, and celebrate. Um, and this continued on throughout the beginnings of the colonial era, um, 1640s, the governor of Manhattan proclaimed in the churches a holiday of feast to give thanks for the, the massacre of the Wappinger Indians after uh, the colonists went into Manhattan and uh, killed the Wappinger Indians. They cut off their heads and kicked them around the streets, and then they went into the churches and said, thank you. Thank you, God, mm. for allowing us to do this. Mm. And it, it just continued on to that after um, into 1676 when King Philip's War um, with the the colonists and the and Indian people, they again celebrated a day of Thanksgiving. Just for those of you who don't know, King Philip's War uh, was known as the bloodiest massacre in New England history, and it involved tribes such as the Mohegans, the Narragansetts, um, the Mohawks. Um, you know, they came all the way out here from upstate New York, and basically, um, from a Mohegan perspective. Um, we were on the side of the colonizers in that war, and it's a difficult history to grapple with. Um, not going to get into it too much right now, but, um, you know, we were basically murdering our, our cousins and our relatives. But the part that I wanted to mention specifically about Thanksgiving is that, so King Philip's War started because the colonists were encroaching more and more upon the Wampanoag land, and, you know, the Wampanoags had been treating the colonists pretty well for quite a while at that point, and it was getting to was getting to a point where they were getting fed up and you know they were taking more and more of their land and um and so the Wampanoags began to kind of fight back a little bit and when that happened um a leader had emerged and his name is Medicom also known as King Philip and when the wars ended and like I said it ended in a bloody massacre um, with you know hundreds of people being killed from all of these different tribes throughout New England they put King Philip's head on a stick um, for all to view um, for a long time, and they were kind of having these Thanksgivings around, um, yeah, basically celebrating that, you know, they had stolen the land and his head was on a stick now, and they've killed the leader. Yeah, so Thanksgivings were celebrated for murder and slavery rather than friendship and harvest. The actual Thanksgiving in, that they call the Thanksgiving in 1621 was more of a treaty negotiation r uh, rather than a sit down between the colonists and the the Indian people, the uh, Massasoit actually heard some gunshots being fired off in the distance, and he thought, oh, um, the colonists were getting ready for war. And um, he gathered up his men, about 90 of them, and went to where the sounds of the gunshots were coming from. And that's where 
um, he met up with the colonists and they actually sat down and started to have this negotiation over land. And this is what is referred to as the first Thanksgiving. There was no women or children. There was no invitation of friendship. It was, uh, like I said, more of a treaty negotiation more than anything. Um, so that history of, of friendship in those di- difficult times c- continually was a conflict with uh, the two newcomers on the, on the land. And, and like I said, it just continued after that, you know, and, and, and then in 1623, you know, there was the disease started to um, take over smallpox plague and killed a lot of the Indian people. And the Plymouth colonists went into the, their churches. And again, they, they, they had Thanksgiving sermons where they would um, thank the almighty God for this smallpox plague that came upon the savages. And these Thanksgiving proclamations were, were um, proclaimed by church leaders and state leaders. Um, and, and again, like they just continued after every victory of, of war with the Indian people. So we, we really don't see it as a time of celebration, a time of friendship. We, um, it's a reminder of uh, 500 years of uh, betrayal, um, betrayal you know, after we returned friendship to them. How do you live with that every year coming around? Well, for my, I can only speak for myself, um, but a lot of Indian people do not celebrate it, and we celebrate it differently. You know, there is a, a day of mourning, a, a, a day where all these uh, Indian people come together at Plymouth, Massachusetts, and and we try to educate the, the public there, and um, and we have our social afterwards there, and we we f- we gather for food afterwards. But it is a day of uh, uh, remembering our ancestors, thanking them, um, um, a day of sadness, a day of mourning. My wife, she's Pequot, and it really affects her deeply. And, um, you know, this whole area where we are now is a reminder of her ancestors that are no longer here. And it's uh, very depressing to come here sometimes to New London and to Mystic, where the massacre happened, and to go through... um, these thanksgivings these celebrations of of the killing of uh, her ancestors her people and you know my children you know they're also seeing this and they're here and so we we say thanks to our ancestors um during that day you know it's just a a thursday for us (laughs) yeah i guess the history of the colonizers and and native peoples is is one of broken promises over and over and over again and when we think about what happened, this treaty negotiation, at that point, had many treaties been kind of negotiated and broken already by that point? It started off pretty good, um, but then it, can, it went down pretty, pretty fast after the first generation of people um, you know, passed away. You know, all treaties were, were um, broken at that point. Um, but it still continues today. You know, this, you know, we're still fighting for treaty rights. We're still fighting for water rights and land rights. Aboriginal um, hunting and fishing. Exactly. And, and you know, where I'm from in Colombia and South America, my people are still going through this. What happened here 400 years ago, 500 years ago, is, is happening today to my people where, where they're being killed and there's no recourse, no action, no police uh, records of it, and they're being assassinated. And it's all over Indian land and oil. Um, so we see a repeat of 
a continuation of this, you know, and I hope through, you know, conversations like this, you know, we could start to respect each other and respect each other as people, respect each other's cultural differences. Just to, cl just to give a little bit more background on uh, Massasoit and Medicom, just to clarify. So Medicom was actually his Massasoit's son. So what Jay was talking about was basically, you know, in those really early years, there was, um, you know, Massasoit was kind of, you know, he was the leader and there was these more positive relations because, you know, the colonists had just gotten here and we were, you know, just kind of trying to make them comfortable you know that the culture was cooperation giving it wasn't you know we didn't ha come from that same culture of you know domination and othering so you know Massasoit was kind of you know just trying to bring them in and you know not knowing that they were going to stay forever and all of that and then later on um, with Medicom um, things had gotten so bad as I mentioned before that it got into a different point where you know they had to start making some attempts to claim their territory yeah and can you talk a little bit about some of the things that were have been destroyed or lost through the colonization in either as a result of taking land and and breaking up families and um just so that we understand in the context of kind of what it is that you all are trying to do in reviving these things now right so it's all about decolonization and there's i mean we don't really like to use the word lost but um, there are just, True. you know, yeah. tidbits of things that are, are missing, you know, um, throughout the years, um, just because it was such an early colonization, an early contact period we encountered here in New England. And there was so much decimation, about 100 or 90% of our populations, at least in southern New England, were decimated in those first 100 years of contact due to those diseases and wars and things like that. So it really was a huge, a huge loss for our culture, for our communities, you know, most of us were intermarrying and things like that. So, um, so there's, you know, there's the issue of, of the languages around here. Um, you know, you can say that they were lost, but a lot of people like to say dormant. And we are all trying to revitalize our languages today. And um, so for Mohegan specifically, our last fluent speaker passed away in 1908. And um, her name was Fidelia Fielding. And some of the work that that Jay is trying to do and I'm trying to do is, you know, work on bringing that language back. We had, um, we've had multiple linguists working on those projects and um, we have, you know, we have a dictionary and things like that. So that's one part of, you know, decolonization, revitalization. And then we, of course, it's our, our, you know, traditional stories, our dances, our ceremonies, all of those things are part of it. And, you know, again, we have, there's there's um, quite a bit intact, but the fact that they really came in and it was basically assimil assimilation, Christianization, or you're dead was the attitude around here. Um, and there are you know lots of histories and colonial accounts I can recommend um, for some information on that. Um, basically, we we kind of a lot of us had to convert in order to survive. Um, there were certain groups that were able to remain on the outskirts in all of our communities, but they were small. Um, so basically we weren't allowed to practice our ceremonies. We weren't allowed to practice our traditional dances for hundreds of years in some cases around here. And it's only been within the past, you know, 50 years or so that we've really been able to start reclaiming these things. So it's, it's quite a bit of time that had gone by and, so we basically are just kind of trying to work with, you know, culture bearers, knowledge keepers, 
and you know different accounts and things and um and bring these things back and i know that for my people the mohegan it's really important to me that we can you know now practice our ceremonies i can now go to sweat lodge things like that that you know my ancestors wouldn't have been able to do even like 50 years ago yeah it was illegal is actually you know in 1695 massachusetts law uh, allowed uh, people to kill Indians at will. And then after the massacre of the Pequots in 1637, um, it, it was illegal for the Pequots to speak their own language. Mm. I mean, the more you, you hear about the truth of the history, which you know I've known, but even when I, I don't know all these details that you're sharing, and the, the story, the false story that we tell in this country about Thanksgiving, it becomes even more um, horrific and and destructive um you know one of the big parts of that story is the food is this idea of like everybody sat down and had this big happy meal together and um, before we hear from sherry because i know this is like your (laughs) wealth of knowledge i wonder if you could talk a little historically about the the role of food in this relationship between the indigenous people and the and the pilgrims the settlers because the people came from europe and brought seeds, but they didn't grow here very well. They didn't know how to live on this land. So could you put a little historical context into into that? I, I'll start off, but I think Rachel could um, uh, add a lot more. But um, to go back to 1621, when those 90 warriors went to go meet um, the gunshots and the colonists, uh, there was no food afterwards, um, but there was Wampanoag, uh, people went back into the forest and came back with deer and venison and turkey and, and brought that to them. You know, that was our way. Is there, you know, our way is to give. You know, our way is not to take. And we we give. And even in times of conflict, we, we were able to bring food to them and um, brought. we watch them, which is our corn. Um, and a lot of times the, the colonists would accept that and take it, and then they would go ahead and steal more corn from our graveyards and um, dig up our people and steal the corn that you know that was offerings that we had laid in there for our ancestors, mm. and they would steal those those corn seeds. Um, yeah, food is uh, very important, especially corn. We have big celebrations of corn. Yeah, and, um, you know... I guess it's kind of there's there's some different stories about the corn. So we definitely shared, you know, all the tribes around here. We were sharing our agriculture practices, teaching them how to, you know, how to plant in this area, teaching the colonists about um, our traditional plants and things like that. And, um, you know, just some just some of the other background about, you know, when they came out here, obviously, like the native people, we we bathed um we you know <laughs> we were more clean <laughs> um are you saying in, in comparison to yeah. the colonists yeah yeah they supposedly stunk this is just some of the you know the stuff that comes out of the colonial accounts um they also you know had a lot more problems with their with their teeth we had you know certain plants and things like that um that we used as well as the things that we were eating um that were better for, with our teeth so um just kind of give you like a little you know, snapshot of what that might have looked like when they came in here, these people who were kind of stinky with bad teeth. And, um, and we were eating all these, you know, these things that were good for us. And they were trying to bring in all these other, you know, plants, animals, things that weren't from here. It was just like an ultimate clash. I mean, the religion is just a whole nother section of it. There's just been a lot of, 
misinformation that's been perpetuated for hundreds of years. Um, and a lot of people call it like the Puritan national narrative, the thing that's been kind of taught to us mm-hmm. as time goes on. And we're kind of trying to deconstruct that and bring back in our own stories. Food is a, a way that we also connect to the land. You know, as Indian people, the land is a part of us. And as we grow, uh, we learn from the land and we eat from the land. And it, 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 it physically is a part of us. Mm-hmm. So food is very important, especially corn, like I yeah, said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sherry, can you share for us a little bit about all of your deep understanding around um, Okay, sure. Um, yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, this, you know, touches me deep. Um, thank you, Jay, Rachel, for um, speaking on what really happened, what truly happened, and a lot more than that happened. I mean, as far as them coming over here, bringing their, we didn't have pigs, we didn't have chickens, we didn't have cows. We didn't even have black flies, but they brought it all here. Um, we, like Jay said, we're very giving people. So these people were sick. These people were starving. And like Rachel said, we didn't know they were going to stay. So we fed them. We clothed them. We made them well from our herbs, from our medicine, from our teas, from our sassafras, from our witch hazel from all these indigenous plants that we had. Um, corn, big, big part of, big staple in um, our eastern woodland foods. Um, green corn prayers, green corn um, harvest. Um, let me go back a little bit and talk about how I was brought up. Um, I'm 57 years old. I was brought up in the 60s um, in a very traditional family. My mother's Wampanoag, my father's Wampanoag. Um, They taught us as small babies, as soon as we can learn, to, um, you know, our life ways were surrounded by, we're like seasonal people. So um, I want to say that our, I want to talk about our year, how our season begins. So like Americans, they celebrate New Year's on January 1st, whereas we as Native people, we celebrate when the fish come back from the north, when the birds come back from the south, when our buds come on the tree. So that's probably the end of March. There's no certain day. Um, Our first green um, is probably fiddlehead ferns. Um, The first fish that come back is probably heron or smelts. And we celebrated those. We celebrated those. Those were a Thanksgiving for us. Um, that, That new year was a Thanksgiving for us. You know, that snow was a thanksgiving for us, the snow that, you know, purified everything, that um, made everything um, clean and germ-free. The snow, the cold rain, the water coming from some of the mountains and from some of the um, streams. 
in the summertime, um, we don't eat a lot of the shellfish that are um, in our bays, and we don't eat fresh fish from some of the streams anymore because of the high bacteria levels. Um, back when I was a kid, it was a different story because um, the water was cold and it was clean. We didn't have a lot of boats and things staring up our ponds, and so we kind of don't eat. Um, you can't eat the way that you used to. Right, yeah. right. What were some of the things that your your parents or grandparents did to teach you about well, these ways of, of the, the first gathering thing, and eating? Right. The first thing they did was throw us in the water, made, taught us how to swim, made sure we knew how to, what what is in that water. You know what I mean? Because crabs will, when you're three years old and they're teaching you how to dig for clams or teaching you to pull mussels, um, they want to make sure you know that if that's a blue crab, it's going to pinch you, you know, and they hurt. So they taught us um, to identify plants that, um, like milkweed and sassafras, um, all the wild running briars, like... um, raspberries, black raspberries, cherries, the cherry trees, and all of these um, amazing things that we take for granted. So they taught us about identifying plants when they come out. Every season there was something for us to learn. You know what I mean? Like when the herring came up, they, they taught us to they taught us to um, identify the heron, whether it was male or female. They taught us how to take the roe, which is the female, the eggs, take the roe out. They taught us that using that herring, every part of it, um, so we would take the roe out, we would eat the roe. We would um, take the guts, the heads, the tails, and throw that in our garden with our corn. And the best fertilizer ever. You know, the lobsters, all the shells, the best fertilizer ever, you know. um, And so were many of those things that you were learning from your parents and grandparents, the same food ways that were practiced by people hundreds of years ago? Yes, yes. It's all traditional. It's all, it's all living. It's the bounty of the season, Mm -hmm. really. You know, the bounty of the season and... And it's every part of it, right? Because it's not just like, what did you plant in a row? Like you might have done your corn. It's also right things right. you're foraging, right? You're right. They taught us about three sister you. gardens. They taught us about... Um, they taught us ab- about poison, poison ivy and all the different things that you can't eat. Mm-hmm. The gypsums and all, all the different plants that you can't eat and you can't touch. Um they taught us about snakes and animals yeah and what might harm you what you know what you could trap and yeah so I saw that each year you plan a Thanksgiving feast meal and I'd love to know how how does all this knowledge and wisdom play into what you do in that in that meal and what what is that meal really um I do it for a living so for me personally, I don't celebrate. Okay. First of all, I don't celebrate. It's a national day of mourning for me, mm-hmm. Thanksgiving. And um, I celebrate Thanksgiving. Like Jay said, that was, he stole all my lines. <laughs> 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 the, the Thanksgivings that we have are very many. Um, 
So but, maybe speak speak to that first. What in more detail? Like, what are the Thanksgivings either for you in your daily like life or monthly life? Yeah. The green season, the the New Year. Yeah. The the maple, the maple, the heron. So what do you do with the heron? I'm curious. Like, how does that? What does that look like? Well, heron are fish. Okay. They they come back from the, from the north, mm-hmm. and they're our first, you know, first fish that come back. So this this is what makes it a new year. This is what makes it the beginning for us. They come back in the spring. So we celebrate that, mm-hmm. that they're coming back. What does your they celebration come, look like? The celebration is ceremonial. Mm-hmm. Um, we may dance. We may pray. We may harvest. We may eat, you know, feast. Um, all, we do everything with prayers. We do everything with thanks. And... That being said is um, one of the most important things for us that um, our prayers, because I truly believe that this is the reason why they come back, because we're grateful, we're thankful. Mm-hmm. We give offerings. We give tobacco offerings. We give cedar offerings. Um, are you able to share a prayer of thanks with us so people can hear what that sounds like? What? No, it's just your own thanks. It's in just, English? Yes. Or are you doing it in... Well, no, I'd rather not. Okay. Um, I'll share a prayer at the end. Okay. Um, so, so what Sherry was saying is very important that it's almost as if, you know, what Jay was talking about with these, um, these feasts after murders and prayer after murder is really just the exact opposite of what we as native people were doing every day for us um we were making sure to use you know when we're killing a deer we use every part of it all of those different things but then also leaving an offering saying a prayer thanking that that animal for it for its spirit and for its you know for the food um and then you know when we have certain ceremonies um like sweat lodge ceremonies and different ceremonies we feast after those ceremonies so prayer and food goes hand in hand um, it, it, it always has for us as native people. Um, and so when you look at the history of Thanksgiving and the fact that it was basically founded on these murders and giving thanks for murder of, you know, the native people of this land, it's just, you know, just completely <laughs> disrupting of, you know, what we were, what we were taught. It's just the opposite. And again, it goes back to those complete cultural clashes because, you know, you, it was hard to find a middle ground when we're coming from one culture of cooperation and, you know, utilizing every bit of everything and, you know, basically spirituality, you know, people say was interwoven and is interwoven into every aspect of daily life for native people throughout this country. Mm -hmm. It's not just, you know, when you shoot a deer, it's not just, you know, when you go to sweat lodge, it's just like, throughout so it's very different than judeo-christian religion where it's kind of like separated out throughout the day so because um i was asked to do a traditional feast um over here at the pequot museum um my idea of a feast is traditional food for that season that season being from september to december so Everything that we harvest during the season, from cranberries to hickory nuts to walnuts, black walnuts, 
to fish, all the fish, shellfish, oysters, clams, mussels. These are all indigenous foods. Deer, rabbit, duck. And you just want to cook it all and just feast it all. So Jerusalem artichokes, this is harvest time for them. Um, just different. And for th those are also called sunchokes for people that don't know. It's a tuber. And they're in abundance here. They grow wild. And everything that um, we harvest, like I said, is a Thanksgiving. Um, everything has a special um, meaning to it. Everything is given to us for a reason. You know, whether it be the vitamin, whether it be the protein for energy, whether it be tea for healing, medicine, and we just feast like yeah so i hear the conflict of like having to cook this thanksgiving meal on a day that's a day or around the time that's a yeah, time well of i morning. love to cook so it's really not mm -hmm. you know <laughs> that makes it better yeah, yeah. i understand yeah. that 100 percent um who comes to this meal is this is whoever this geared towards to. native this peoples or towards for other whoever peoples, whoever or? whoever wants it can come to it it's 75 dollars it's expensive <laughs> um but it's amazing it's amazing i'm doing seafood stew and this this is everything that's available in these waters yeah right out here who's doing all the harvesting for this do you do some or no, other people well do you, you know everything's got to be usda nowadays so mm -hmm. uh we're not allowed to to, to do wild food so we have to buy everything mm. and they have proprietors for you know venison and but we go through fish markets mm -hmm. um but for me personally everything comes out of the water for me by either right. my brothers myself um out of the woods um i hunt i fish i love fishing um we do it with the season i i went to it last year and it was amazing and I think the rabbit that you made was one of my favorites, as well as the um, the stuffed squash with or the stuffed pumpkin with the wild rice. Yeah, it was really great. But she had she it was just courses coming out. Like you thought you were done, and then there was more coming. Like the rabbit was the last thing that came. I had eaten some turkey, and I said, "Oh no, like, why did I bother with the turkey?" We had, like yeah, we there was had venison, rabbit. It was just, we had quail. Yeah. we had duck. It we just had kept turkey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and these are all things that are indigenous to here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Sherry even makes a um, a sassafras martini which um you know utilizes i got in trouble <laughs> Why? i literally got in trouble for making that from like you know a couple elders they were like yeah that's medicine you're not mm. supposed to be making i said okay right mm. and we both yeah and we all you know i really it's got, tricky to take traditional no, I, wisdom and mm. using it in i love context. incorporating mm -hmm. yeah i oh god yeah, we all struggle with that because there are products that, you know, some, you know, Native communities are, you know, you know, all this, you know, goes back to food sovereignty. And, you know, a lot of Native people are trying to reclaim these things that Sherry has been talking about. Um, I myself did not grow up, um, you know, going clamming and doing all these things that my ancestors would have been doing more. And now, you know, I'm trying to learn them and live more in the seasons. And um, I run a Native food discussion group at Mohegan where we are celebrating um the Thanksgivings, our traditional Thanksgivings, the best that we can. Um, part of the project of the group, one of the missions, I think, is to create, um, to recreate a wheel um, where we will, you know, go back to those traditional Thanksgivings. But considering that we would move around depending on the seasons and we don't move around anymore, um, it might be a little bit different. And I talked to one of the elders about that, Faith Damon, Damon Davison, who was our former archivist. She was saying, you know, 
the foods that we would have been eating, the places that we would have been going might have been slightly different. So um, that's so funny. Much... I need to interrupt you on yeah, that. Go ahead. That's so funny because I'm from Cape Cod. I still move around. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> I still move around. Still I go moves. home and it's seafood. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm here right. and it's venison, <laughs> duck, you know. So we, we still we still eat by the season. I do. I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate to have grown up the way I grow, grew up. I mean, all my brothers are hunters, fishermen. My dad and my mom, they both, you know, they both had a part in um, teaching us about food. My dad threw us in the water at a very early age and took us to this island called Washburn Island and let us kids, I must have been about eight, get out, go to that island, drop us off and literally leave us there and we had to see if we could survive <laughs> but i mean we did, how long? did well how long maybe did... a couple of days wow so we it was blueberry season we got blueberries we got raspberries we got quahogs i kept the fish the first thing that i did was lit a fire and we kept that fire going how did you start it we had matches okay <laughs> we had matches a little, a little help. <laughs> yeah yeah so um but we did fine we did fine. My siblings are, I'm lucky. I, there was, there's six of us all together. And we all really know how to live off the land. Know what's good every season. Now down here, they have, which we didn't have on the Cape, down here they have maple syrup and they have the mushrooms, right. which I don't know a lot about, but mm-hmm. I love them. I'm learning. Right. And that's and that's what I was going to say there. You know, we have similar foods here, you know, um, here at Mohegan, Pequot territories um, as Wampanoags, but they're not all exactly the same. And like, you know, our seasonal cycles, that's kind of what I'm trying to rebuild. It's like, OK, I'm taking it. There's a book called um, Multiple Thanksgivings that was published by the Boston Children's Museum. And um, they worked with mul- some Wampanoag people on that book. And um, so I can share that resource. But yeah, it's like we can't as Mohegans copy that exactly, and we have to kind of reclaim those things. Um, figure out like, okay, where what what exactly did we have at this time of year that maybe the Wamps didn't didn't have or that we had and they didn't have? Um, you know, even the something like the cranberries would have been coming up at a slightly different time, a slightly different climate, things like that. Um, but my great aunt actually, you know, Gladys Tantaquidgen, um, some of the things I'm learning about her work is that she not only wrote about the plants and she was an herbalist, ethnobotanist, but she also wrote about our traditional foodways um, a little bit. So that is, is helping to kind of um, guide the discussion. So it was never, it was never really, you know, lost again among Mohegans, the foods weren't lost, but I think that um, our location plays a big factor into it. Um, you know, being in Southeastern Connecticut, you know, in those early days of colonization, that was the heart of everything. Like there were these, these towns were massive everyone was coming here and you know we were we were hit so early on that we basically just kind of started you know living more like the colonists you know eating more like them and things like that um because we were in those cities we were right in between you know boston and new york and kind of you know so so i think some some people retain those traditional ways of hunting and fishing and they still do there's definitely still a lot of you know there's people in the tribe that still hunt the traditional way and things like that but um, just the fact that it was so densely populated, it kind of took a toll on that. So it's just getting back to those things. And, you know, I've learned so much from Sherry over the years and I want to learn more. <laughs> and um, I taught her how to open oysters. 
that was that was amazing yep first time opening oysters with one hand so very exciting and now i can open oysters that's great so are there any um other things that we haven't spoken about yet that you feel are important for non-native people to understand about the current situation of of life for indigenous people especially on the east coast of this country I personally think that they really need to stop and think about what our ancestors went through. They really need to think about and be thankful how we went to their needs and helped them out. And it wasn't a it wasn't a happy thing um, that they wanted our land. It wasn't a uh, it was a happy thing for us to help them because mm-hmm. we're, you know, helping helping people. We were helping. We were, um, that was our way. That was our way. And really, they just, I want people to understand our way. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it too is, you know, that we're still, to some people, semi-invisible. And the myth of the vanishing Indian um, is pretty pom- prominent here um there was a whole period in you know anthropology and you know just kind of in history where people thought natives were vanishing they were disappearing um anthropologists were trying to collect tidbits of information um there's a whole history that goes along with that where um you know we just read a book for the book club i run at work firsting and lasting writing indians in new england out of existence and it's basically about how um Every time the colonists landed anywhere, they would call it the first. This is the first this, this is the first church, this is the first, you know, burial ground, whatever. And the it was discovery just, of America. Right. It was all just, you know, first. And then it was the last. So the book talks about, but then in, also in a lot of these records, it was the last, the last Mohegan, the last Wampanoag. And it was never the last. So in a way, it was just a way of writing us out of history. Um, so that that, you know, like I said, the Puritan national narrative would be what people were taught you've both you've each spoken to this a little bit but what is the impact of having to live through the american myth of thanksgiving each year well my impact is that i need to educate and that's my biggest thing and that's why and i love to educate through food Mm -hmm. it's a common denominator yeah I, i i love to educate um as well and you know it's it's finding exactly you know how to do it to the best of our abilities to reach the most people is the thing that I struggle with um you know it's, I just think that yeah more and more people need to learn for me my family uh Thanksgiving is a little bit different uh I usually do celebrate Thanksgiving I personally don't feel you know I, I feel as if it should be a day of mourning but um my mother um my mother is Melissa the medicine woman and my grandmother is Jane Fawcett, who was the former vice chairwoman of the Mohegan tribe. And her husband, Richard, um, is a Mayflower descendant. And so we celebrate um, Thanksgiving in some senses the the way that other people celebrate it. I think we we kind of make a joke about it in a lot of ways. Um, I, I could say that, you know, my grandparents, they talk about the way they met. Um, they say that, you know, um, my grandfather came to these shores and my grandmother was there to meet him. Now this is, you know, to me, that's kind of inappropriate, but you know, to them, it's a cute story about them coming from different cultures and they're from a different time. So 
you know, my family continues that kind of, you know, Thanksgiving. Your you family know. really embodies it around your table. <laughs> around yeah. around the cultures the that are available. Yeah. yeah, that are coming together at the table. Um, even though that wasn't the way things happened. This year, I may not be at um, my family's Thanksgiving, probably for one of the first times ever, because I'm actually working on this indigenous feast in New York City, um, which um, I will just give you a little bit of details, but there's going to be um, a series of pop-up dinners, uh, the 23rd and 24th, with some indigenous chefs coming from all over the country, um, serving in different types of indigenous foods. And their goal is to kind of do some type of re-indigenizing Thanksgiving with that. So, um, great. And yeah, we'll put all of that up on, on the website. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, I've been wanting to go to the national day of mourning and I think, you know, eventually I'll get there, but it's, it's hard. I'm torn sometimes, you know, because there's, my my yeah there's cold cold. (laughs) and my family you know they want me to be there but I feel (laughs) I feel as if okay well should we really be celebrating this holiday so I'm torn about that yeah I I agree with um Rachel and Sherry on um this time of year having to educate and not hate um you know for Indian people it often starts with Columbus Day and then Halloween and then Thanksgiving, you know, every year we go through this as far as, you know, stereotypes and what it, Indians is expected to look like, um, dressing up in costumes and war whooping and um, people's identity, mascots, Hollywood movies, monuments, all these things that we were trying to educate people on. Um, for me, I go, you know, we've gone to the National Day of Mourning for, for years and years and... Um, it's kind of turned into uh, something else that we, 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 we've stepped back a little bit. And uh, we just, you know, when I was younger, um, I used to just go into the woods by myself. And one year I came across a, a whole, I don't know, it's a flock or a gang of turkeys. But that was special to me. Um, but we just, we just run away. We just escape. We just, you know, you know, me and my children, my family, we all just kind of take a little break and go up to uh, the mountains and, and um, just get a hotel room and just, you know, it's just another day. It's just, th- it's a Thursday, you know, it's, it's not a big deal to us. And uh, we just, you know, say our prayers and, you know, for our ancestors. And yeah. So we only have a few minutes left, but you've all talked about education. And I'm wondering if you want to just mention a couple places that people can go to learn more in addition to the Thanksgiving specific stuff, but just other things if people want to learn more about the real culture and history of, of native people in this area. I just recently, um, put together with a group of other committee members um, a list of resources um, on the archaeology um, education clearinghouse that was out of Boston. Um, it's I'm part of the Society of American Archaeology, the Committee on Native American Relations, and we put together this list for parents and teachers um, specifically about Thanksgiving um, so parents could um, download the letter, send it in to their teacher, um, or their school system, and and then those teachers can go to the to the website and actually look up uh, different resources uh, as far as Thanksgiving and on a native perspective. Yeah, I took a look at that. That's great. So we'll we'll put that up on the table underground as well. Thank and you. Put all those links there. Definitely, and and um and we'll I'll share some some book resources, the um, things that we use in the library and um, promoting amongst schools. Additionally, the um you know the Pequot Museum as well as um. 
the Mohegan Museum, which is called Tantequinge Indian Museum, are good places to go to learn about Native people in this area. I would highly recommend, you know, those two places as somewhere to kind of, you know, get your bearings and get some some good starts and some education um, from Native people in this area. Yeah, I just actually wanted to say, contact your nearest tribal council or tribal community and call. You can Google anything and you can call them and ask them, I want to learn more about Native people and they'll give you somebody because we're here to educate. Thank you for having me. Thank you all so much. Thank you. This show was made possible through an inspiring equity and education fellowship of the William Casper Graustein Memorial Fund. I'm grateful to Rachel, Sherry, and Jay for offering their knowledge and time for this show. It is a good small step in bringing back their own stories and truths. I look forward to many more conversations. A number of people reached out to ask me for meaningful ways to celebrate Thanksgiving and honor the true history of our country. If you go to thetableunderground.com, we compiled some things you might try at home or in your community, including ways to make offerings to ancestors, share accurate history, and connecting gratitude around the dinner table. You'll also find photos and links to events and resources mentioned in today's show on the website, Facebook, and Instagram. For the final word today, we'll hear Rachel say it, reading a small portion of a prayer her family shares at the Thanksgiving table each year. It's a Haudenosaunee or Iroquois piece called The Thanksgiving Address, Greetings to the Natural World. Today we have gathered and we see that the cycles of life continue. We have been given the duty to live in balance and harmony with each other and all living things. So now we bring our minds together as one, as we give greetings and thanks to each other, as people. Now our minds are one. We are thankful to our earth, our mother, for she gives us all that we need for life. She supports our feet as we walk about upon her. It gives us joy that she continues to care for us, and she has from the beginning of time. To our mother, we send greetings and thanks. Now our minds are one.